As we enter December, the official season for the winter holidays, for all who celebrate, and the final month of this, our year of chaos 2020, I thought, what better way to kick off the month than to celebrate with a truly an icon of the season, the wolf. Big, bad, majestic, and misunderstood to a fault, the wolf has been the placeholder for all that's evil to the citizens of fairy tales, guardians and guides to the spiritual in various cultures, and, at the end of the day, trying to just get by in a world that's hunted them mercilessly. Today, we will take a look at three fascinating stories involving and inspired by this beautiful animal, and perhaps we'll come to find that big and bad is, well, not so bad. Welcome, I'm Rocket Fox. Join me as we embrace the strange. lately that scientists are finding fascinating things almost every other day in the Siberian permafrost. Permafrost, and I had to look this up myself just to be sure, is any soil, rock, or sediment that has been frozen for over two years straight. And it would seem there's no shortage in Siberia. However, as global temperatures have continued to cause record heat waves, there are thaws in places that haven't seen the light of day in, well, in this case, 40,000 years. In the Abyski district, for those geographers among us, it falls just north of Yakutia. All seemed like just another normal summer day. A bit wetter, perhaps, as again, Temperatures had been a bit higher. Granted, it wasn't hot by any means. Still, if you'd lived there long enough, I'd imagine you'd notice the change. Someone who would fit that bill would be Pavel Efimov, who was making his way along the shore of the Tyrek-Yak River in the summer of 2018, when something odd caught his eye. At first glance, Perhaps it would appear just like a mound of mud or odd dirt, but it was the hair that really seemed out of place. Pavel ended up digging up this mystery, I'm sure not expecting what he would unearth. What it was, was an incredible find. Dated over 40,000 years old by Japanese scientists, it was the completely intact head of a Pleistocene wolf. Fur, muscle, brain, snarl, and all. Said to be the first ever discovery of a fully grown Pleistocene wolf with tissue preserved. Most, thus far, have been either skulls or the remains of pups. Scientists at the Swedish Museum of National History will be examining the available DNA to track evolution to the modern-day wolf. 
and fully grown this incredible creature is. Estimated to be between two and four years old, the head is 40 centimeters or nearly 16 inches long. For comparison, modern wolf heads are 22.86 to 27.94 centimeters or 9 to 11 inches long. Now, I was intrigued by this ancient giant wolf species and wanted a little more information. One of the first things crossing my radar being that they are referred to as, yes, dire wolves, which is how I shall refer to them from here on. Sadly, the dire wolf is not the great-great-great-grandmother of our modern-day pooches. It turns out, she is more like the great-aunt a few times removed. Her close relative, the gray wolf, or Canis lupus, is a more direct root of that family tree. Other interesting facts I found were their rough size, which, based on that noggin, one can guess would be formidable, coming in at a near 5 feet or 1.524 meters from head to tail, and weighing around 150 to 200 pounds, or 68 to 90.72 kilograms, they were definitely nothing to scoff at. And as far as our head goes, it will be interesting to see what scientists can glean from the preserved tissue and frozen brain, and how that relates to the past, present, and future. Some of my top questions being, where is the rest of its body? Will someone try to resurrect the species? And when will this happen? As far as that goes, only time will tell. And in the meantime, it will be interesting to see what comes to the surface next. Where is the wolf? She comes with thunder and lightning. And where lies the fox in the grass somewhere hiding? No, she's in your eyes. You held her in your eyes. Our next story tells the tale of another species of wolf that once roamed freely until it went extinct. Or did it? The red wolf, sized between the coyote and gray wolf, and sometimes mistaken for the former due to its brown and tan color with black and red markings. They are slender, with tall pointed ears and broad muzzles, and call North America their home. They are also the world's most endangered wolf. But Fox, you may be thinking, I thought you said they were extinct. <laughs> Don't put your predator before your prey. Come with me on a journey, and I promise all will be made clear. The red wolf, like many other species, came under attack due to harrowing predator control programs, as well as loss and change to its habitat, and by the time the Endangered Species Preservation Act rolled out in 1967, it was listed as threatened with extinction. At this point, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service began to try to conserve and recover what was left of the species. All populations in the Gulf Coast had been wiped out, and minimal remained in their other stomping grounds. Breeding attempts were made, however, only 40 were successfully bred as pure red wolf. The red wolf was officially declared extinct in the wild in 1980. To date, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service website states that there are 20 total 
red wolves that roam near their natural habitat in eastern North Carolina as an experimental population, with around 245 maintained in 43 breeding facilities. Then, there is one additional sentence. It reads, Studies are currently underway to identify the possibility of red wolf ancestry still remaining in the wild in southwestern Louisiana and southeastern Texas. And that is where our story begins. On Galveston Island in 2013, Ron Wooten was photographing some coyotes. However, the more he crossed paths with the pack and captured their likenesses, the more he became convinced that something was... unusual. Wooten, you see, was not just a photographer, but also a biologist, and his biologist senses were tingling. However, it wasn't until he happened to come across the unfortunate sight of two coyotes dead along the side of the road, victims of a run-in with a fast car, that he would have the chance to find out more. He pulled over and took some samples, then stashed them in his freezer. Soon, he began to make some calls. This next step, though, having the samples genetically tested, turned out to be a little more difficult than he'd anticipated. After all, the red wolf was extinct in the wild. It wasn't until he reached out to Bridget von Holt, another biologist at Princeton University, that the magic started to happen. She admitted to receiving this sort of question on a fairly regular basis, but she said in a press release that, quote, something about Wooten's email stood out. His enthusiasm and dedication struck me, along with some very intriguing photographs of the canines. They looked particularly interesting, and I felt it was worth a second look. An instance when a photo is worth a thousand, please DNA test this roadkill, requests. During the process, the second sample somehow got lost, so Wooten sent the scalpel he'd used to take the samples, which was a new experience for the researchers. However, everything else aside, all skepticism faded away when the results came back. Not only were there red wolf genes in the samples, these were red wolf genes from a line that had only existed in the wild, aka no human breeding efforts involved. While wolves are not known to breed with coyotes, if both populations are low enough that there is no choice but to interbreed or die off, well, we get what's happened here. On a more serious note, though, this discovery is also vital, as at the time of the sourced article in Texas Monthly that I pulled a lot of information from, the beginning of 2019, the number of reintroduced red wolves in North Carolina were, quote, down to 40. And, as you heard me mention earlier, they're now down to 20. The primary cause of the wolf deaths in the wild are, you guessed it, humans. Whether dying of gunshot or vehicle impact. However, there has also been a great amount of controversy over how the Fish and Wildlife Service itself has handled the red wolf reintroduction. A federal judge ruling in November of 2018 that the Fish and Wildlife Service had violated the Endangered Species Act and the National Environmental Protection Act 
by neglecting its duty to protect the red wolf in North Carolina, noting that the sudden and stark decrease in the population coincided with the arbitrary changes, including halting the protection of newborn pups and the introduction of new wolves into the wild, as well as a policy shift allowing landowners to shoot wolves that had wandered onto their property. <laughs> this red wolf genetic discovery brings back a lot of hope that the Galveston region may just be a space where these wolves can be reintroduced with a chance to make it. Perhaps even opening, as the scientists wrote, quote, new avenues for innovative conservation efforts including the reintroduction of red wolf ghost alleles to the current captive and experimental populations. All that to say, broadening the gene pool by just a bit and providing a new home, or rather, bringing them back home where they belong. I've seen the sun rise from mountaintops Slept on the wrong side of tabletops I've climbed up trees that don't seem to stop but it's home where my heart belongs And it's the same as it's always been Yeah, these roads keep us traveling They're like rivers of wide and deep Who flow from land out into the sea Drawn home Our final story this week takes a bit of a leap into the future, and that future is now! Takikawa is a town on Japan's northern island of Hokkaido, and it had a problem. A big problem. 2020 has been an unusual year, and with so many people in lockdown and quarantining, there have been numerous instances of wildlife starting to retake parts of the urban landscape. In this instance, bears. Lots of bears. Now, Takikawa isn't the only place in Japan that has been experiencing this. Kyoto News reported that from April to September of 2020, there had been 13,670 bear sightings across the islands, which is the highest six-month report since 2016, Another year of conundrums. However, it's not just the sightings that have authorities concerned. In October, two women died of injuries due to bear attacks, and in 2019, 157 were injured by bears. Sure, it may not be the highest rate of deadly event, but certainly something to take seriously as bear walk parties are on the rise. Conservationists point towards a loss of habitat as with so many other instances of wild animals willingly coming into contact with humans, saying the bears may be cruising for food. Whatever the reason, likely bears cruising for food due to loss of habitat, the town of Takikawa has found an intriguing solution. It's called... Monster Wolf. And it looks every bit as you may think. A link to the source is posted in the show notes, but... I'll post a link to the image itself as well. Created by Japanese machinery maker company Ota Seiki, Monster Wolf comes with a motion sensor that, if tripped, activates its red glowing LED eyes, side-to-side -side swiveling head, 
full exorcist style, and a loudspeaker which blares one of 60 obnoxious noises, including howls and heavy machinery. Yuji Ota, the head of Ota Seiki, is noted as saying of Monster Wolf, quote, We want to let the bears know human settlements aren't where you live, and help with the coexistence of bears and people. And indeed, Takikawa reports that since the installation of Monster Wolf in September, there have been zero bear encounters. And having seen a video of Monster Wolf in action, I can pretty confidently say that if I ran into it, you'd have zero encounters with me as well. Monster Wolf has been sold before, about 70 units since 2018, according to Reuters. With the main goal of keeping deer and boar away from crops, it seems they are just as good at keeping bears at bay. Perhaps not unlike the original partnership between wolves and man, only this time the wolf being just a little more mechanical. As an aside, real wolves did once live freely in the forests of Japan, but were hunted to extinction over 100 years ago and have been gone since. Similarly to the conservation and reintroduction of red wolves to their natural habitat, this story tells of an interesting solution to a problem that, at the end of the day, we can hopefully learn how to not cause again for these or any other species. For while wolves may have the reputation of being big and bad, it's really us who show up as a threat and blow their houses down. Thank you so much for joining me through the Fantastically Strange. I hope that you've enjoyed our journey. This week, I actually wanted to also share a few resources as well. If you wanted to know more about a few of the amazing organizations putting in work to educate on, protect, and serve wolf populations. First, there is the International Wolf Center with the mission to advance the survival of wolf populations by teaching about wolves their relationship to the wildlands, and the human role in their future. You can find them at wolf.org. Wolf Haven International has a mission to conserve and protect wolves and their habitat. You can find them at wolfhaven.org. Lastly, I'm bringing to your attention Mission Wolf, which is an educational wolf sanctuary with a focus on sustainability with a community of volunteers from around the world and you can find them at missionwolf.org. As with all of the sources I used for my research, links to these nonprofit organizations will be in the show notes. Come visit me for a spell at fantasticallystrange.com and on Instagram at fantasticallystrange and Twitter at fantasticoddpod. If you've enjoyed the show so far, please let me know. Uh, maybe, as always, even a follow, share, or review. I write, research, edit, and do all of the things myself, and am so honored to be able to bring you stories about topics I'm passionate about, and your ear means the world to me. 
If you do want to support the show, I wouldn't say no to you visiting patreon.com slash rockatfox, where you can get early access to weekly episodes, bonus content, including outtakes and more, as well as goodies from my other work. If you do have any topics you'd like to see, any questions, comments, or just to say hi, email me at fantasticallystrange at rockatfox.com. All sources I used in my research are linked and credited in the show info. The amazing logo illustration is by Constance Hermit. You can find them on Instagram, at Constance Hermit. And the killer intro song, Hey Dorothy, is by Cruise Machine. Be sure to check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Draven. It has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much again, and I can't wait to see you next time.